Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good day once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on Thank You for Your Service, Fagan. Now get out! This Thursday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. I hope everybody out there is safe and sane. Now, in January of 1943, warm Chinook winds hit Spearfish, South Dakota, quickly raising the temperatures from minus 4 degrees to 45 degrees Fahrenheit. That drastic weather change, a swing of 49 degrees, took place in just two minutes. The wildest temperature change recorded in the United States of America over a 24-hour period is an incredible 103 degrees. On January 15th of 1972, Loma, Montana saw the temperature jump from minus 54 degrees to 49 degrees Fahrenheit. Sudden change, however, is not simply a weather phenomenon. It's sometimes the very nature of life. James reminds us, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? An unexpected loss, a surprise diagnosis, a financial reversal, sudden changes. Life is a journey with many unpredictable elements. This is precisely why James warned us to turn from arrogant schemes that do not take the Almighty into account. As he advised us, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. The events of our lives may be uncertain, but one thing is for sure. Through all of life's unexpected moments, our God will never leave us. He's our one constant throughout life. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a loving God. Forgive us for the times that we worry over things that we couldn't anticipate or can't control. And help us to find our rest in you. In your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, got a little bit of a personal story to share with you today with regard to being thanked for our service and then told to get the heck out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, now that didn't have to do with your uh, your city council duties because you were termed out of office in that position. And then you went to work with a veterans organization. You bet. Here locally. So yep, yeah. The guardiansfoundation.org. And as a matter of fact, we'll strongly encourage everybody, if you want to log on and check it out, please do so. It is theguardiansfoundation.org. And yes, Tim is absolutely correct. Uh, We went ahead and served two terms honorably on the Spokane City Council. We got out thinking that we were headed down the road to retirement. And then the next thing you know, I ended up picking up the phone and a good buddy of mine uh, that I had met while I was serving on the council, a gentleman by the name of Mike Shaw, happened to be the CEO of that organization, said, hey, Mike, I know that you were thinking about retirement, but buddy, I could use a little bit of help from you for the next couple of years. And from one vet to the other, we knew exactly what he was looking for. And we went ahead and happily signed up for a new mission. And as a result, took me down a couple of real cool new and 
cool experiences, man. Got to set up, operate, provide, put together the operations manuals and guidance and things to that effect for COVID isolation and quarantine operations. And that was really, really cool because one of the first missions that we had when we uh, got out of office was we opened up the isolation and quarantine center at the Spokane Interstate Fairgrounds. I got to see firsthand during that process. Oh, yeah. So you you saw city government, which you were familiar with how city government operated. And of course, they run these warming shelters, cooling shelters, homeless shelters. And they were tasked with, okay, well, we got to deal with COVID, which means isolating COVID positive people oh, away, yeah. away from, unlike they did in what, New York and California that you take, yeah, COVID patients and put them in nursing homes. Nope, not going to do that with the homeless in Spokane. So what they did was they set up the isolation centers. Now, firsthand, you saw that this pandemic was going to explode and was going to be a huge problem. And of course, we know that homeless individuals probably have a little less access and time spent in areas involving hygiene. Yes, absolutely. And and so you would have thought that COVID would have been a giant problem in this facility would impact but you saw how government money was you know quickly shifted out of that mission right oh yeah because there wasn't really hardly anyone there for covid isolation Isolation or quarantine as a matter of fact that operation lasted a whopping three months before the county and whatnot decided that it wasn't beneficial to the general public basically well because there was almost no quarantine patients. Individuals, yeah, exactly. You know, so we operated that for three months. Anyway, we went into the homeless shelter environment. uh, Several different styles of homeless shelters. There was an opportunity uh, that where we ended up turning a church into a homeless shelter and utilized the sanctuary there. The main library, while it was being renovated, the portions of the library, which was not shut down, were being utilized for a homeless shelter. The cannon warming center, etc. Anyway, we fast forward through the next couple of years gaining all of this experience in the homeless shelter environment and obviously this was done in what we call a low barrier mode which means you can come in off the street in any condition that you might inebriated was about 95 percent of the mental conditions that these people were coming in off the street with so basically because it was you know alcohol or drug psychosis and things like this so it wasn't really a massive mental illness issue as much as the mental illness was being caused by alcohol and drug psychosis you bet right so and then obviously with these homeless individuals that are suffering from drug and alcohol addiction, there are medications and things like this that they are being prescribed. And a lot of these patients don't, a lot of these homeless individuals don't end up taking their medicines as they are prescribed. So that just further exacerbates the mental illness issues that we see there on the street. They don't want to take the drugs that are prescribed to them for their mental illness and mix it with, you know, heroin or meth or oh, yeah. Yeah, alcohol or whatever else. So they don't want to take the medication because obviously there's going to be some kind of interaction with the medications and those street drugs. Sure. So they're sure. doing the street drugs and, and, and they're not sticking with programs. The reason why a lot of this homeless community is out there is because they don't want to be under the rules of, you know, other housing options, obviously not employment options. And so, you know, they let the drugs 
rule the day and the decisions of their daily lives. And uh, they come into the shelters in all sorts of conditions, it sounds like. Oh, you bet. Anyway, I had bestowed upon me the title of program manager, and I was just basically managing the various homeless shelter programs that we had that the Guardians Foundation was running. The main shelter that I ended up finding myself program managing the most at would be the Cannon Homeless Shelter. And when I say program manage, I mean, we're responsible to make sure that our staff has got all of the safety equipment that they need, the personal protection and gear that they need with the masks and the gloves, disinfecting solutions and cleaners, that they were on a strict disinfecting and cleaning regimen throughout the shelter to minimize the potential for, you know, COVID infections, any other colds and infections and stuff like this. I was responsible for making sure that food was being prepared and was on time for all three meals every day. We were also contracted to provide the laundry service for our linens and blankets that were being used every day, personal laundry, stuff like that. When our staff did have some downtime, they would engage with a laptop computer or a smartphone in providing the guests with some semblance of wraparound services and things to that effect. And then earlier this year, Tim, we ended up getting an opportunity to bid on this a larger shelter, a shelter that was going to house 150 to begin with, was going to go up to 250 people, would surge all the way up to reportedly 600 individuals. Wow. And while that request for proposal was out and being worked, we all knew about Camp Dope. And we knew that there was at least 650 plus people over there. At the same time, you've got Catholic Charities now over at the Sunset Hill looking at a hotel that they're buying out, which will provide 100 to 120 more beds. So, Bed counts were starting to come together here in the Spokane area, and it's starting to look as though we might be able to address Camp Dope, okay, with all the available beds that would eventually be available. Well, if that wants to be addressed, I mean, you've got the sheriff that came out and they talked about how they were going to deal with Camp Dope and it was going to get closed. You had the mayor say that it needs to close, but now you've got the, what is it, Empire Health Foundation that is, you know, funding Jules Helping Hands. And of course they set up that, uh, what's in it, it's kind of a weird twist in this new news that came out. They initially had problems with the fire marshal city code enforcement when they set up that cooling tent, uh, tent yeah. there just off of the freeway and Thor Freya corridor there. And so now you've got the fire marshal who's issued a temporary conditional use permit for them to use that uh, warming or cooling tent as possibly a homeless shelter throughout the winter. You know, probably 115 occupancy was what the fire marshal was looking at. And he wanted to look at the design to see if it would hold snow. So they're they're talking about a conditional use permit that's going out all the way to like June of next year that they're going to have, you know, the, the homeless encampment continue to be there at second and just off of Thor there. So you bet. we'll and see. Now that, that was an interesting twist. Sure. And now that we've been engaged in, you know, freezing or just above freezing temperatures for almost almost a week now, I do believe that there's probably going to be some heating equipment that is going to eventually find its way down to Camp Dope for sure. 
Oh yeah. Well, and, and of course we've spent uh, millions and millions of dollars, not just on the camp dope issue, but also, you know, taxpayer funded, there's private funding that's funded camp dope between the, what is it? I think it's the Inland Empire Health Foundation. I think that's what it's called. And then you've also got the Barbieri fund, progressive fund that has been funding that. And of course they were looking at doing pallet houses, basically uh, dog houses for people is what they wanted to set up outside of the trench shelter initially. And that didn't happen. No, no, that didn't happen. As a matter of fact, we got into the request for proposal for the trench shelter. And if you recall, and we ended up reporting on it, there were several uh, high level. Well, there was at least one high level elected individual that's now being accused of a conflict of interest for sharing some internal information. You already had former council president Ben Stuckert, who has basically resigned his chairman position from the continuum of care committee or board. And that was the board that feels the federal uh, and state monies, figuring out homeless housing situation. Well, because he tried like setting this. up a contract to get paid like 150 grand a year exactly. uh, to be a consultant to Jules Helping Hands, you know, operating homeless shelter in the Spokane area, but right. trying to contract to the city for that trench shelter, right? You bet. So as a result of the faux pas that occurred during that first go around with the request for proposal, the city had to basically cancel that effort and and open up a new request for proposal. The Guardians got engaged. We went ahead and competed in that. We ended up getting the award. And we went through a subsequent ribbon cutting. We were operating the shelter. We got into about the sixth week. And obviously, we had a internal issue. It was major. We're talking about theft and embezzlement from a high-level individual in the Guardians Foundation. Well, and, and that's, you know, a difficulty when you put that much level of trust in one person. And they were able to, uh, you know, build that trust over time. And it didn't quite work out in the for the benefit of the taxpayers, the Guardian Foundation itself. But we're going to have to take a break, Mike, and we're going to have to finish up this story when we get back. So, folks. Folks, don't go anywhere. No doubt that you've been hearing about our crazy real estate market. Whether you need to sell your beloved home to downsize or wish to travel the world, you must have an ethical representative to put you first and make sure your transition goes smoothly while protecting your interests. In a market with competing offer scenarios and many inexperienced agents, Jennifer Swisher offers a decade of expertise in rural and urban residential sales and property management. Swisher Sales offers a risk-free, easy exit listing with a communication and performance guarantee. Simply put, if you're not satisfied, you can walk away at any time without a penalty. Now, what do you have to lose? Call Jennifer today for a hassle-free market analysis or any other real estate question. Swisher Sales will simplify your buying and selling process and provide you a peace of mind while you navigate the challenging real estate market. Call or text Jennifer at 509 220 5373 or send an email to swishersales at gmail.com. Again, 220-5373 or swishersales at gmail.com. And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on. Thank you for your service, Fagan. Now get out this Thursday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. Now we we went through uh, all of the service portion in the first half 
And, and so you, you had this, as we went off into the break, you had this individual inside the Guardians Foundation who had access to, you know, they were basically the, the administrator when it came to the mail, the accounting, the bookkeeping, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. And so tell, tell us a, a little bit about that. Sure, you bet. So uh, anyway, through an internal audit, you know, and there were a couple of us, you know, upper level managers and whatnot that were suspecting some weird things were going on because there were a couple of times there where we were not able to make the payroll and we couldn't quite figure out why and what was going on so we started suspecting a little while ago we started conducting an internal audit a forensic audit if you will and we did then started to see where money was being embezzled after the money ended up getting paid to the guardians foundation through the reimbursement contract that the we were engaged in with the city and basically the way those contracts work is the guardians foundation goes out and they spend the money that's required for operations supplies things to the administration of the particular contract and then we have to compile our receipts and our personnel time records and we submit all of those documents to the city so that they can conduct an audit and then reimburse us for the expenses that we ended up incurring. So it wasn't like the city was giving us a scheduled payment and from that scheduled payment, money was being embezzled out of that before it could be applied to programs. Programs were already conducted. Programs were already paid for by the Guardians Foundation and where the money ended up getting embezzled. It got embezzled from the money that we got reimbursed after we went and spent the money on duly authorized expenses. So it was really, okay. it was really theft of the Guardian Foundation's money and accounting because the Guardians was providing the services, doing what it needed to do in its other capacity. That's it correct. was money on the back end getting taken, it sounds that, like. That is correct. And it was very, very intricately done. And just to, I, I really don't understand uh, the... Uh, process altogether 100% so I don't really want to comment on something that I don't fully understand but the way it was explained to me from what I had ended up seeing in documents and things to that effect it was very smartly done and it would have taken a little while and somebody with a sharp pencil in order to figure out exactly what ended up occurring but we ended up uncovering enough that we were able to substantiate enough for a, a serious police report we ended up getting in contact with the likes of crime check and uh, spokane police department that individual ended up getting terminated from the company oh obviously yeah. so Fast forward to a couple of weeks ago, ladies and gentlemen. Here it is, Wednesday, October 26th. Now, my work schedule is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and part of Monday. So my Saturday and Sunday would normally be a Tuesday and a Wednesday. So here it is, Wednesday morning, October 26th. It's about 9 o'clock in the morning. I get a call from the boss, Mr. Shaw. And he says, hey, Mike, I know it's your day off, man, but can you go to a meeting with me at City Hall? Is if it's imperative, yeah, you betcha. I can definitely be there with you. And he goes, well, they asked for you by name. I'm going, 
Oh, interesting. <laughs> well, well, and that's and that's interesting that you got asked for by name because you had nothing to do with the contracts with the city of Spokane. That other, is correct. Uh, personally, other than the fact that you worked for the Guardians Foundation, who was and receiving I, the I may have I may have put together a couple of the modules that were required on the request for proposal and answers. But right. yeah, you're absolutely correct. But you weren't in charge of the the administrative. Uh, nothing to do know. with finance. Nothing to do it with administration and whatnot. It was all operations for me right so you were yeah you worked uh, in the facility with the people that were scheduled to be at work you worked with the exactly. people the supervisors if you will yeah. so that was that was your capacity so it's interesting why would the city ask you to come in for a meeting as if you were a director or a ceo of an organization that's in contract with the city when you you have no say so in those those kinds of things well let me tell you <laughs> well, i'm curious you know that's why i'm asking we get to that meeting and there's three of us we've got brad baker we got mike shaw the ceo brad baker who is actually the director over at the trent homeless shelter and then myself program manager for the Trent Homeless Shelter. So we're sitting there in the mayor's conference room and the city administrators there and the city, new city attorneys there. I never met the new city attorney. So that was an interesting introduction and whatnot, but we got through all of that. And the primary purpose for the meeting being called, it was a one page letter. And it was basically a letter that was addressed to uh, the Guardians Foundation, citing a couple of contract clauses. And the letter was all about terminating the contract for the Trent shelter and the Cannon shelter. Right. Okay. Again, based on the fact that we couldn't meet the criteria in the contract, i.e. we didn't have a business license now because of the embezzlement that was going on. We also found out that there were some IRS filings that hadn't been done. The IRS had contacted us to warn us that they were going to suspend the 501c3 designation. They apparently had done it. And again, this goes all the way back to the embezzling so, so the lady. Indi- so the individual that was controlling the, the finances, uh, the finances also controlled also the, mail, the mail. And, and so, so Michael Shaw, the CEO, had no idea that these filings were not being done. We're not being done and we weren't getting the letters. We weren't notified. That kind of stuff ended up happening. So the so, city, so the city contract, it wasn't the internal embezzlement because you guys had already dealt with that as far as, you know, issuing, uh, you know, legal authorities and notice of, Hey, this is going on. This person's yes. terminated and there's needs to be legal action taken. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. so, the, so the whole thing had to do with this same individual didn't file the 501c3 paperwork and the proper government documents to where the city continue contracting with. Is that, that is correct. So, you know, the, uh, the meeting basically was all about, Hey, we're going to be issuing this contract termination notice. It's going to be, not just for the Trent facility, but for the Cannon facility also. And then the statement was made, words to the effect that the Salvation Army has basically stepped up and they're going to be assuming the contract and that the Salvation Army would be willing to interview and hire our staff to maintain the continuity in the shelter right now so that there weren't any interruptions or disruptions during the shelter contract. Right, because you got to have service. You've got dozens of employees, right? Multiple shelter locations. And so to, to continue those services, they wanted to retain whatever staff they thought was appropriate. That is correct. Which was basically all the staff. 
that is correct. That was all of the staff except Mike Fagan and Michael Shaw. Now, interesting. And that came right out of the city administrator's mouth. So that's interesting. So the city administrator, how does the city administrator make hiring decisions for other organizations? I don't know. But obviously, ladies and gentlemen, if you are an attorney, if you know anything about labor law, et cetera, just based on what you have heard up to this particular point, right? do I have a claim against the city or do I have a claim against anybody else? Because let me go ahead and finish the story. And that's basically exactly what was said, man, is that Salvation Army would be willing to interview and hire our staff in order to maintain that continuity, except for you, Mike Fagan, and you, Michael Shaw. Well, and that's interesting. Now, um, all right. Now, is, yeah, but is there anybody? So the the organization, there's only one individual being investigated, right? Yeah, that's correct. Only one individual being investigated. That individual ended up getting terminated. And that individual is not Michael Shaw or Michael Fagan. No, it is uh, okay, not. Okay, so how could you? I, I'm just trying to figure out how two individuals who were not being investigated for any criminal or unethical activity are being expelled from the possibility of continuing to provide service in a contract that was already uh, being done. I'm yeah, well, ponder that for a couple more minutes and I'll get to the end. Because the following Friday, just a couple of days later, Salvation Army shows up at the Trent Shelter. And we've got a whole bunch of our staff there. They're going through the motions of filling out the applications, the background checks, getting the uh, uh, hiring briefing and whatnot from Salvation Army. I'm obviously on duty because, you know, my duty schedule is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and part of Monday. Mm -hmm. So I'm filling out the rest of my work schedule, okay, Uh, realizing that I had been told by the city administrator that I would not be hired by Salvation Army, okay? So I didn't even talk to anybody at Salvation Army when they showed up on Friday, okay? Oh, okay. So worked uh, Friday, worked Saturday, Sunday. Come Monday morning, we're getting off. I'm going through my debrief. Didn't really think anything of it other than the coming Friday was going to be payday. Okay. 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 So here I go. All right, fine. I've worked my last rotation in the shelter. I no longer have a job because Salvation Army isn't going to interview or hire me. So I'm going to go in on Friday. Did Salvation Army tell you that? No, Salvation Army didn't say that. That came specifically from the city administrator. Okay. Okay. All right. So I come in last Friday. Okay, because it was payday, thinking I'm picking up my last paycheck. And while I'm there, my human resources lady says, hey, Mike, Salvation Army's been contacting me all week. They're wondering why you're not applying for the job. What's going on, Mike? What's happening? Oh, weird. Salvation Army was is wondering why you're not applying for the job here. Weird. So... Okay, so, well, so you, well, you I told. had to tell, I had to tell my human resources gal the story on what ended up happening. Right, you were told. And not you know, to apply. once again, ladies and gentlemen, if what you hear me saying to you right now has any merit of any kind of claim whatsoever against anybody that I've mentioned, please give me a call at 509 991 4765. Again, 509 991 4765. Okay, so so you were told by city government officials no need for you to apply because Salvation Army doesn't want to employ you. That's right. That's what you're told. Now, Salvation Army resource manager or the resource manager that was hired by the Salvation Army to continue services at the shelter, right? Yeah. Asked you, why didn't you apply? Exactly. 
So is there more to this story? Uh, no, I'm just going to basically leave it there. Oh, that's where you're at now, Right huh? there. That is exactly where I am at right now. Well, maybe you need- So what I have done since Friday, thinking I was getting my last paycheck, I went ahead and filed for unemployment. <laughs> oh, okay. Filed for unemployment. Well, you know- Again, thinking that- there was no way that Salvation Army was even interested in hiring me because of what the city administrator said in that meeting right. with the five of us in this meeting. Right. But now Mike, you're, but now Brad, you're and I, after he said that, the three of us looked at each other kind of weird going, well, where did that come from? But now you're hearing that they wanted you to apply. Yeah. So... Hearing so what's you, going on? So, so you've got to investigate this a little bit further. But here, here we. This is where city government is. You know, too many things politicized. That's why hopefully people voted no on electing a city attorney because there's already way too much politics inside of city hall and appointed officials or hired staff because they're getting pushed and pulled in this direction politically by by both sides of the political aisle probably. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I guess we're out of time for today, so we're leaving that story where it's at. So, Mike, it's uh first time you're going to be have be on unemployment in uh, decades, huh? <laughs> no doubt. Out. Well, I guess I was forced into retirement, huh? Well, but I don't know that you were forced into retirement. It sounds like there could be more to this story where uh, the city might have stepped on their own tail here. But well, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I definitely, when we left that meeting there, not only were, I was scratching my head, but I definitely felt is just like we entitled it to show. Thank you for your service, Fagan. Now get out. <laughs> right, right. Well, I don't know. I, I hope to hear more about this story, but uh, we're out of time for today's show, Mike. So we're going to have to get out. Yep, you betcha. All of that being said, Mike and Tim are out of here today. We'll be back at you and in your face again tomorrow. Bye-bye.